Welcome to Prone to Wonder, a podcast where no questions are off limits. Join us, Amber Humphreys, Becca Robinson, and Vanessa Fernandez each week as three best friends, women, and ex-ministry junkies navigate conversations about deconstruction, reconstruction, growth, and wondering aloud about all the things we weren't supposed to wonder. Each of us having different perspectives, these conversations aren't about having all the answers, but about giving yourself permission to ask questions and forge your own path. We're so glad you've joined us. So we got this question um, this week from Morgan and we love it. And so we are going to talk about that today. That's what's going to inspire our coffee chat. And so, yeah, let's hear what Morgan had to say. Hi, ladies. I was just reaching out to you guys to ask a question regarding, um, it's kind of diving deeper into the episode where you guys talked about modesty. So my question is, how has that affected your view of your own body? And how do you think that has affected your relationship with your body? And this is Morgan Barbero. And I just want to say, I love your guys' podcast and thank you for all of the content that you create. And it's very inspiring. Thanks, Morgan. Morgan. (laughs) Oh, I just love her. Why did that make me tear up a little bit? (laughs) I'm like, there's somebody who listens. I mean, I know people listen because they talk to us, but it's just whenever we get a question, it just makes me so happy. It reminds me of that sound that's like, hey, to the 12 people who like my post, do you want anything from the gas station? (laughs) Can I get you something? Morgan, do you want anything? Coffee? Candy? What what do you need? Uh, (laughs) It's such a good question. And it's such a big question. And it's so different for everybody, for sure. Um, I, I feel like, so Morgan's actually taken my reclamation workshop which is all about embodiment and self-portraiture and so she probably already knows a little bit about my perspective on it which I'm happy to share but I want to hear what you guys react like gut reaction oh man gut reaction was (laughs) obvious effect like it affected it so much I think I mean I always had a really tumultuous relationship with my body because of my weight which now looking back, I'm probably like, that was all also probably trying to like stuff down, you know, my body and desires and things like that. So I feel like it's all tied in, but my body, um, especially like when it comes to that, you know, natural feminine sensuality and sexuality, like that was very, repressed for me. And so I, you know, I, I blamed it on my weight at the time, but like looking back, it was such a, a loaded, you know, all of it was Mm -hmm. fighting against me just now at (laughs) 36. Am I like, I think really coming into my own, um, with all of that, but it's still, you know, I'll something that somebody else would post, I wouldn't think a thing about it. You know what I mean? Like if I just wouldn't think about it and then, but for me, I'm like, okay, 
<laughs> what are people going to think? Are they going to think I'm trying to like put out a thirst trap, you know, but which I mean, like, I don't really care if you do. Cause I don't really think anything of other people who do, but like, for me, that is still a, like, you know, brace yourselves. We're going to post something kind of sexy, but that's such a big thing. It's, it's so much for women, the programming of why are you just trying to get attention for just having a body <laughs> mm-hmm. that people can see, you know? And I wrote this little, not even a poem, just this little quote. And I posted it on my Instagram. It's like my most saved and shared one. And it was basically saying just because I have a body and just because it's sensual and just because you can see it doesn't mean that it is meant to entice you or doesn't mean that it's for you. And I think like that idea resonates so much with so many women because it's exhausting to constantly feel like if any part of you can be interpreted as a thirst trap or sensual or enticing, then you're doing it for attention and a negative reason. And then it becomes this war internally and with everybody around you because it's like you start to internalize the guilt of male gazes, but then also women are taught to turn on each other. It's this like insane women on women crime where it's like, you're trying to entice my husband or you're trying to entice my man and everybody out there is trying to steal this person from me. And it just goes back to, can we please just make men responsible for their actions after they see something (laughs) to me like that's that's how it changed my perspective was this is not on me anymore like I have a body that has curves and has boobs and has a butt and that's literally just my body I do I do they're little, so they're easy. No, I didn't mean it's 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 an obvious joke. Okay. No, I'm just teasing. But yeah, and I just was like, it's interesting to to feel like I have to constantly hide all of those things for fear of someone else interpreting it as I want attention. But then there's a whole other level of maybe I do sometimes want attention. And I don't know that that's altogether bad either. Okay, that's what I was going to say too. (laughs) It's like, are you you know, I feel like growing up, I feel like you could have even made the argument against, you know, like the male gay and like, you know, the male gays, <laughs> not the male gays. The that's male. a whole other, that's a whole other. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and the whole, like your body's not for consumption. And so like, it doesn't matter if somebody finds you sexually attractive or whatever that's on them. Like you're just existing, but then there's that whole other thing of like, are you allowed to put it out there and feel sexy and show off because you want to, you know, because I feel like there is not a chance (laughs) that that would have been okay. I feel like the first one we could have made an argument for even still in that like world, but this whole other thing is, I feel like that would have been a hard shutdown probably still even today. I mean, it's not as, but like, I feel like that would be a big, like red flag sirens going off. Like, are you allowed to do that? And I kind of think that's where I'm at a little bit. It's like Mm -hmm. figuring that level out. Cause the first one I've kind of gotten to where I'm like, yes, you know, screw you. I am what I am. 
for the most part, because there is still, there's also some interesting studies on, um, what's deemed appropriate or sexual, depending on your body size and body Mm -hmm. type, um, like two women can wear the same exact thing, but on one person, it's just, you know, athletic gear and on the other person it's sexual, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there are so many levels. It's like an onion of sexuality. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so many unspoken rules that we're just supposed to figure out and navigate as women. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) or else and it's so frustrating like that one I know is true because like like came up a few minutes ago I am not uh graciously endowed on my upper half and so I can get away with wearing things that have really low v's because you can't see anything (laughs) but it it comes across more as like fashion than super provocative a lot of the time because there's nothing there that's how <laughs> but, I was before my boob job but people who are bigger that's not the same it looks super provocative and it can be interpreted in a super provocative way and you're right it's not fair it's something something I would have worn pre-boob job and not thought a thing of I would put on post boob job <laughs> and mm. then I'm like oh this is a whole other situation like this is yeah. a whole other I'm making a whole different statement right now <laughs> but the thing is is was I exactly was I <laughs> Vanessa what do you think I don't know I don't even know <laughs> where to begin because it is so pervasive and I I'm even like oh do I want to dig up all of the memories of how much I loathed my body Mm. growing up in purity culture. And I loathed it because it was conventionally beautiful. Like I loathed my body because I got messages of, oh, you've got legs for days. You better make sure you don't have shorts that are too short or, oh, I am more graciously endowed up top. Oh, one day your husband is really going to enjoy those, but for now you better keep them covered up. And, and, oh my gosh, from like older men in my, I know it's so, so it's always the older men. So inappropriate. And even like, even like the, the tone of my voice, it's a little bit deeper. And someone, I had an older man say, no, no, no. I'm like pre-preparing for this. You're really, you're really going to be able to seduce a man someday (laughs) with that voice, you know, But, but it was like in a way of, but put it away for now. And I didn't realize, I mean, now as I'm like playing it back, I'm like, that's creepy. And they were just basically telling me that I was somehow turning them on in some Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. as a, like, like I was in high school, like I was definitely too young for any, like, you know what I mean? Um, and we don't even need to get into the whole conversation about how purity culture and modesty is basically like grooming for pedophilia and like all of that, but it's, it was just, I felt such shame. Like I would wear bras that were like two and three sizes too small and have bruises on my body because I was basically trying to bind my chest. I was basically trying to make myself smaller, quieter, 
a higher voice so it wouldn't you know be too sensual and it was it was so i had so much self-loathing i can't even verbalize and part of me doesn't even want to like remember <laughs> how much it was and how much i've had to um heal from it and honestly giving birth was like a very big reclamation of my body which sounds strange because I feel like pregnancy and giving birth also is like you lose yourself and you lose your body at the same time but there was something about the power of giving birth that I that I felt like reignited an ability to love my body and I don't think women's bodies are only valuable because they bring forth birth, like absolutely not. But the act itself, it was a reclaiming and a powerful act for me. Um, mm -hmm. It was being able to say, yeah, my power is so much deeper than just a shiny object to look at right? Like it just, it took my body into what it could do. And, you know, all three of us have been um, in the fitness world and have experienced the power of when you stop working out to try to look good and you start working out because you want to do shit, you want to be powerful. There is something that unlocks inside of you. That's like, oh, this is, this is so much better. This is so much more empowering. Um, Anyways, those are just initial thoughts, but man, I, yeah, I agree. It was an insanely empowering thing for me and my body and my mind. And I think as far as modesty goes, I don't know. I don't know about your experiences, Vanessa, but I know my experience, I was basically just walking around naked for like a big chunk of my labor and delivery because um, I kept getting in and out of like the shower and water and different things. And I was like, not going to be bothered with putting clothes on and off. And modesty is not a thing when you're in that situation, because no one's looking at you as a sexual object at that point. And I think that was a, a thing that was really powerful about it was like, hey, my body is not, it's not for consumption right now. It's for this other incredible purpose. And it's like, in that moment, somehow every single other human's brain switches along with it and they don't see you. Like you can have your boobs out, you can be naked, like no one's yeah. looking at you like you're trying to provoke any sort of responses from anybody, even though, you know, yeah. you're still beautiful, like it's still the same body that it was the day before. And I think that can be really powering. I wanted to circle back to- Wait, can I just say something about that really quick? Oh yeah. Are, are you going to lose your thought if I do that? No. Okay. Even like, okay, hopefully this doesn't sound even the fact that there were people looking at my, you know what, but you can say it, Vanessa. Okay. Say it. <laughs> looking at my lady parts. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> say it. And like, say it. There is no shame. Not gonna you it. have four children. You can say this word. You say it. We believe in you. They were looking at my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like even other women, that's not a part that you just like show around. At least that was not really how I grew up. But they were looking at it with like this, 
respect and awe at the life that was being brought forth and the power that I was holding and the way, like, it was like, I mean, I gave birth in a birthing center with midwives in a tub. Mm -hmm. And so there was this, like, such this deep feminine energy of you are so powerful. You're doing this. It keep going. Like we are celebrating you. We are rejoicing with you. We are holding you as you labor. And we're looking at this portal of life with this. It was just such a different experience to even like, and even breastfeeding, like I would just whip them out wherever, whenever, because my child needed food. And it was even a reclaiming of that body part that for so long was like, don't even wear, we couldn't even wear a purse strap that went across because it would indent in the middle and show, oh yeah. And show that there were two and not just like some sort of blob that was like covered by loose clothing, right? Like to have a purse strap go across my chest was mm-hmm. too much. And so, yeah, there was just a lot of reclaiming. Okay, continue, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna circle back to creepy older men making comments or women or anybody to children basically, right? Like teenagers and below. So I wanted to share this book for anybody listening that like you heard that and you have similar experiences or memories because it was recently shared with me and it is really, uh, what's the right word? Insightful, helpful, validating maybe. Um, so it's a really old book and it's short. It's called The Right to Innocence and it's by Beverly Engel, E-N-G-E-L, The Right to Innocence. Um, and it's all about the tagline is healing the trauma of childhood sexual abuse. And now before you're like, whoa, whoa, that's not abuse. It, I mean, it, it is, <laughs> it is, let's call a spade a spade. It, anytime there's a, a dynamic of age or power and one person is using that to be able to even just to say things to a child it's considered abuse like medically so this was something I didn't actually know and I think that a lot of people who grew up like we did you probably were subjected to things like this and didn't realize that it it counts as abuse and it is really validating to have a psychologist that works in trauma um, explain to you why it does and what effects that could have had on you and then help you kind of work through it. So anybody who's listening, um, that book is really, it's really good. It's super small and simple and right to the point, but it can be exceptionally validating for you. I just, across the board, there's no grown man that should be saying anything in any regard, unless it is medical (laughs) to a young female like that. Like I mean, even something that's not, you know, sexual, like I remember, like I had a, I mean, I've told you guys this before. I might've even said it on the podcast, but like when I was in high school, like young high school, I had a grown adult man tell me I'd be so pretty if I lost weight and offered to pay me for every pound I lost. And like, that is some shit. (laughs) Like unpacking that later in life, I was like, what in the hell was that? You know? And so people telling us, you know, that, because I feel like when you, 
grow up or you went through like purity culture or, you know, that whole modesty thing, um, modest is hottest and whatnot, um, was not only were you dealing with like being a female in current America and like Westernized culture, isn't enough of a mind freak, like all the eating disorders and, you know, media things. I just finished this book more than a body. And I didn't even realize how like intensely programmed I was. Um, but so you're getting all that messaging about how your body's not good enough about how it should be different about how you should do this. And there's this additional layer of your body's also incredibly shameful and the way you are is again, not good enough and not how it's supposed to be and not how you should be. So it is coming from society as a whole and all your media programming and then religious programming against that. And I honestly, when I think about it like that, I don't know how any of us are still standing today with a shred of confidence or reclaimed sexuality or sensuality or whatever it is. It's, it's astounding that any of us are here right now to tell the tale. And then the biggest mindfuck of it all is when you get married, you're supposed to just all of a sudden turn all of that off right. and become the most overtly sexual, uh, eager to please always enticing, satisfying person. And, and on like, the male, on the male side of that too, it's men are expected to be ready to go at a moment's notice and be all, you know, upset, you know, and that can put a lot of pressure on them as well. Them being told that they're these overly sexual creatures that cannot not be turned on their whole lives. And then when they're not turned on 24 seven, then they think something's wrong with them. So it's harmful to them as well. Like being told that like, you should be turned on by women all the time. How are they like that messes? That's not fair to them either. It's not, it's a really toxic culture. It's not, it's not fair to anybody. And then it just perpetuates problems across the board because then if a man isn't instantly turned on a woman's like, well, clearly there's something wrong with me. Cause right. I was taught that all I have to do is breathe in someone's direction and, you know, and then you internalize that. And it's this horrible cycle because then you start to doubt and like, it just perpetuates this entire problematic narrative about sexuality. Honestly, I think the thing that bothers me the most about modesty to go back is the policing. Like, I really feel like live and let live. And honestly, my point is probably the most extreme because out of the three of us, I'm the one that posts nude pictures on my Instagram to support my workshop. So clearly I have a different view on I'm working what, on it. <laughs> on what I think is modest, but I I feel very much live and let live. Like I don't feel like if there's a woman who feels better about herself when she's covered up, that's fine. It's more about 
the policing? Like, are you doing it because you feel better this way? Or are you doing it because you feel like you should? And are you telling other people how they should do it? Because it's so cold. Modesty is so cultural and time-based, you know, there have been cultures where ankles and collarbones weren't modest. There are cultures where people walk around almost entirely naked and it's not, no one thinks about it. There are cultures where it's modest to be clothed in some areas of town and fine to be fully naked in other areas of town and both of those are fine. So it's like, it's not a universal rule. You can't just say this is how everybody is because it's not, it's it's based on where you, what time you live in and what power structures you grew up around. And so to me, it's like, it, we have to stop policing each other on it because that's the arbitrary rules that I think start to be really confusing and conflicting when we start to say like, oh, well, because I feel this way, now every other woman that encounters me and my spouse should have to reflect that. And that's not the truth. And vice versa, you know, like I don't expect everyone to be as free with their body as I am. Like, and I, and I don't think badly of them if they're not. That's just where they're at in their journey and how they feel comfortable. But for me, I think it was definitely, I mean, I named my workshop shop reclamation. So that was like the vibe for me was saying, this is my body and it can be meant for consumption if I want it to be. That's totally fine and fun but it's not necessarily meant for consumption by default. And that choice is up to me, not up to anybody else. And so for me, I think the way to go back to Morgan's original question, the way modesty shifted was it, it started to be about, and this is so much, this is pretty much universal in my journey. It started to be less about other people and more about me looking internally and deciding how I felt about it and acting in accordance with that. I've even with my, you know, latest rendition of my body. Um, I mean, like you guys know, I've been really working on how do I release all of the programming about, you know, my body not being good enough while also still enjoying being sexy, but also not feeling the pressure to be sexy and also not, you know, and so I've been playing around with, you know, clothing and um, not feeling like I have to accentuate, you know, curves like, oh, well, you need to make sure that this is tight in there. So, so you have a waist or whatever. I've even like totally been trying to kind of release that. And it's been interesting because publicly I've been less sexy, I get, you know, in that way, but like, I have felt, you know, sexier, I think, I think, cause I wasn't so focused on every little bump and flap of my body, you know, like on the, you know, whatever squeeze. Mm -hmm. And because I'm wearing looser clothing and it's more about how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And then privately <laughs> I've been feeling more sexy. So mm -hmm. I feel, and like, I've been more, you know, out and adventurous and whatever. And so I, it's a really interesting journey. I don't even know how to describe it because you're like, just trying to figure out all these parts of you between culture and religion and modesty and, you know, cultural, like what's culturally 
quote unquote appropriate and like what other people think and what you think and how you feel and your health and your relationship and like your sex life. And so like trying to get all of those into some sort of like healthy alignment is really a mind freak as a woman, like Godspeed everyone. Um, (laughs) but I feel like it's been worth tackling Mm. because I like my body's not the best it's ever been. And my, you know, I'm still working on like, you know, the spiritual side of it, like whatever, whatever. But like, I feel in this moment, the most at like level of homeostasis, I guess, you know what I mean? Like with, with my body image and sexuality and all of that, like, it feels like I am getting there. You know what I mean? And I would argue that your body probably is the best it's ever been. Uh, a couple of months ago, it was better, <laughs> but you know, well, I mean, I mean. It, but if you're feeling the best now, then there's no reason why your body being a slightly different shape a few months ago made it better than now. I know that's true. See, that's my programming. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so smaller. Is not better. <laughs> that's not it's, what it's just whatever feels good to you. This is something I actually, somebody asked me on one of my um, Instagram accounts the other day, if I was only feeling more confident because I was smaller than I used to be. And if the the reason I was enjoying my body more and feeling more expressive through it would be because I was smaller. And I really, like, it really challenged me and I had to think about it. And it wasn't necessarily because it's smaller, but it's more to what I feel best in. And I think that everybody, like you were saying, you have that homeostasis point where you're like, oh no, no, I like, I like this. This feels good. I can maintain this. I I'm feeling good in this. And whether it's bigger or smaller, I think it's just about what feels best to you and what feels best to each person and kind of letting go of where that fits in the society standard, which is so hard, you know, because society standard is like, as small as possible. I feel more like myself. I feel more energized. I feel better going about life. So to answer her question, I think it was, yeah, partially, but not not just because it was smaller, but because it's closer to the, the homeostasis point that I like the best living in here as the person who has to live in here. Yeah. And I think that can be different for everybody too. Hey friends, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would take just a quick minute to leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Those reviews let us know what episodes are resonating the most deeply with you. And they also help our podcast to get in front of the eyes of other people who might be interested in the same topics. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are not enjoying this, maybe just don't leave a review. It's, it's fine. We're good. Thank you so much. (laughs) And if you never want to miss an episode, all you have to do is text us the word updates to 770-904-9222 and we will send you a text message each time new episodes drop or anytime we have exciting announcements or information. Yeah, and you can also connect with us on Instagram at prone to wonder co. Do you mind if I shift gears a little bit because I have been reading this book on the divine feminine 
And I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. She talks a lot about how the divine feminine is sensual and is um, obviously like this bringer of life, this bringer of playfulness, this bringer of just like all of these feminine energetic qualities. And oftentimes that is so powerful like we think of like mother earth as this embodiment of the divine feminine just abundant and lush and almost like you know fruit and like just so (laughs) juicy and all of that and that the patriarchy and like the 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 masculine energy that is not divine the masculine energy that is insecure the masculine energy that gets nervous at that Mm -hmm. deeply embodied, powerful divine feminine will always come in and try to manage and control and reduce the divine feminine to like this flat 2D image in order to feel like they have more power. But in actuality, the divine masculine, when they're in the presence of the divine feminine, actually is like in awe of her, but also can hold space for her, can hold space for all of her, you know, emotions, for all of her desire and hunger, for all of her, like everything, he actually meets that and can hold that and can even like challenge her when she starts to spiral into darkness that doesn't serve her, right? So it's like when masculinity is secure, they hold space and actually aren't threatened by all of the, you know, sensuality and bigness of the divine feminine. And so I've just been thinking about that a lot, even in the context of modesty, what you were saying back about policing. And it does feel like this really deep seated insecurity in the masculine that says, I'm afraid of your power. I'm afraid of wanting you too much, or I'm afraid of, um, not being able to control all that you are. And so here's what we need to do. Fit into this box, wear these things, Um, even how women have been property for so long, whether in actuality or because, you know, not until what the seventies or eighties could a woman even have a bank account on her own without her husband signing off on it. So women have essentially been property for so long and have been owned. And I think that mindset contributes to modesty. Like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 we get to tell you what to wear and how to dress and how to show up, whether it's in clothing or even in like our, how much emotion we're allowed to show or how angry we're allowed to be, right? Even like when I think of submission and how heavily that is like, not only do you need to be modest in clothing, you need to be modest in your um, demeanor. And that means you need to not be too big or too loud or too flashy or too powerful. Um, And I just, just because I'm reading this book, I'm like, oh shit, they're just trying to kill the divine feminine because they can't be with it. They just can't be with it. Um, Anyways, so... I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts on that? Does that, because I know we've been talking about even like dark feminine and archetypes and stuff is one of our side conversations that we're always having. Um, But 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think modesty bleeds over into kind of everything that is experienced by being in the presence of a woman, like modesty mm -hmm. in your appearance, in your makeup, in your vocal tone, in your what you choose to do as your career, in how you react to things. It's like trying to keep you on this like one tiny window of expression and life experience and you can't go outside of that and it's I think it's really damaging to yeah. be completely honest yeah absolutely because I do agree I think divine feminine is exceptionally fiery like when I think when I think divine feminine and that's been a big part of my journey is divine feminine and reconnecting to that and learning how I want, how I enjoy expressing it and all of that kind of stuff. And to me, like when I think of it, I think of like fire, like, like almost like volcanic explosions or like big bang, like creation of the universe. Like to me, it feels like very energized, very much creation. And so like creativity and expression and all of these things to me feel very aligned with divine feminine, which I think, you know, probably a, a lot of people can feel that way because that's what it is. is it's this creation force, this life-giving force, whether or not it's tied to children, just in general. Right. And yeah, I like, no wonder why that can be intimidating to someone who's insecure, right? And yeah. then it just goes to traditional if you have too much power and I want to have all the power, then I need to do things to reduce your power so that then I can take it. I was talking with a friend of mine um, <clears throat> and we were talking about Kundalini energy. And I don't know a whole lot about Kundalini yoga or energy, but from what I am learning, it is that like very creation energy. Um, <clears throat> so we were talking about this Kundalini creation energy. And she was saying that some people, when she was trying to talk to them about it, they were like, oh, but isn't that like dangerous to awaken it and to like tap into it? And she was like, no, it's only dangerous if you try to control it. It's only dangerous if you try to quelch it and make it be what you want it to be. But if you just let it go and let it flow and let it be free, it is the most magical, beautiful, incredible energy that you will find. And when you try to suppress it, that's when the fire, not the fire you're talking about, Becca, but like the, the really like spikes come out of like, no, you can't control me. You won't control me. I won't be controlled. I can't be held back. And that's when that like dark goddess kind of, um, I think, we see a lot of it even in our society, right? When there's like this high control, then all of a sudden it's like this lashing out of, no, you can't. Um, and I just thought that was really interesting. The more control comes, the stronger the fight will, you know, arise within us. Well, and I think that's what so many people are afraid of with modesty. And beyond men being afraid of it with women with themselves is if I stop putting a container on top of this oh my gosh what would happen <laughs> you know like who would I be like what would I do and 
I think that that can be scary when you have held a lid on giant aspects of yourself for your entire development and life experience so far. But I think the courage to allow it to just be can lead to some incredible things, incredible discoveries, incredible experiences. Like, I mean, this whole conversation is about modesty. So like, let's be honest, like my sex life got a million times better when I stopped being afraid of what would happen if I let go. Night and day, better. <laughs> so much better. Because it is, it's that energy that is meant for that. Like it's meant to be expressive. It's meant to feel life. It's meant to create life, all of these things. And when you're trying to restrain it, there's that tension the whole time, you know? And like you were saying, it can become like this steam pot that's pressurized. <laughs> And then like shoots off in a dangerous way when we're trying to hold it back the whole time. I agree with all of that. Um, I had a lot of fear around being awake to my hunger. And yes, like that includes sexual hunger. That includes food hunger. We've been talking Mm -hmm. about like having to be the smallest size. That includes hunger and ambition. Um, I feel like this, even just in these past couple of months, I've been doing in therapy, a lot of work around what if I actually tapped into and was conscious of how much hunger I hold in my belly, you know, physically and theoretically. And it's been terrifying. <laughs> it's been terrifying to say, I want more. I want more and actually let myself be conscious of that and not just say no too much, slow down, be quiet, stay still. Um, Don't, yeah, don't take that space. That's what modesty does. I wrote, I wrote something about that because that was a big part of my journey and it was like a poem basically, but it was basically about how women were not allowed to be hungry not hungry for sex, not hungry for success, not hungry for visibility, not hungry for food, (laughs) like nothing. We, We have to moderate and be modest in our hunger for everything. And it's, it sucks. Like if you're a dude listening to this, imagine being starving your whole life and just having to be told that that's just how you have to live. Like that's what it feels like across the board. And it, it's an exceptionally limiting way to have to live your life. And it's almost like no wonder we have all of this anger. And at least for me, I would have all of this anger and loathing and I would turn it on myself because I wasn't allowed to be angry at anyone else. Like I wasn't. And I think this is maybe a singular experience. I don't know if it's like universal, but I, I couldn't be angry at my pastors because they were teaching me what God wanted. And so I should like nod my head and take it. I couldn't be angry at my husband because I needed to support and respect and serve him. I couldn't be angry at anyone. So I just took all that anger and turned it toward myself. (laughs) And I was like, stop being so hungry. Stop wanting so much. Why are you taking up so much space? And just 
like the self-loathing almost cannot the limit does not exist <laughs> for me around how I felt about my body but also my hunger and um it has been really liberating to and I still don't always believe it to just be like there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with the shape of your body there's nothing wrong with the tone of your voice there's nothing wrong with the hunger that you have there's nothing wrong with the space that you take up like to just be and not have to always like be pulling in or sucking in or holding back or it's been so uh, like uh, so good and also still in process at the same time yeah. mm -hmm. there's a lot to unfold it's like, like a rose it's like one petal at a time <laughs> Yeah, that rose, that, that rose that they thought we had all the petals ripped off of. It's like, are you kidding me? We haven't even bloomed yet. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think modesty pervades a lot of areas beyond just clothes. Yeah. So in response, Morgan, it really effed us up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think our journeys have really forced us to start seeing the way that everything is is pulled together you know and then once you start pulling at those threads things start to unravel and and you're you're, fa you're faced with decisions and and the truth of a situation that you just you know hadn't been paying attention to before because you were told not to look and that i think is so much of why we had these conversations and started this podcast it was prone to wonder you know like once you do start looking it's like oh man <laughs> wait I have questions <laughs> I have there's a lot here and it's like who do you talk to about these things how do you feel less crazy I was in the shower the other day and I was like it's like I feel like we need to write a book that's just called like you're not crazy and if you are it's okay too <laughs> right because it's like the universal experience of like am I crazy for feeling this way it's like no you're not you it goes back to Glennon Doyle's beautiful metaphor with the cheetah like you're not crazy you are just living in a small uh modesty limited version of where you're supposed to be living and how you're supposed to be like you're not crazy you were just made for something bigger than this and of course that's trying to come out of course that wants to be expressed like you're not crazy you're a goddamn cheetah I feel like deconstruction is like moving into a house and pulling up the carpet and realizing that there's like hardwood floors underneath and being like who covered up these hardwood floors with the shag carpet? Like, why are we putting linoleum on top of terrazzo? Like, it just feels <laughs> like this coming into this house that everyone is like, oh, this is the, such the style. And you're so lucky to have this house. And then you start ripping up all of these like dusty, musty, old things. And you're like, there's so much beauty under here. What? Come on, Barbara. Why did you put... <laughs> over the hardwood floors yeah what is with this wallpaper <laughs> tape it down why is the toilet pink what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's so true well morgan thanks for 
reaching out and all your kind words. And we hope this answered your question. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we get going and then I'm like, how did we get here? What are we talking about? Um, but I hope that, I hope that it's helpful for you. It's just, we're also trying to figure things out. So our thoughts can be a little jumbled because it's a really differing experience, you know, based on what you experienced and then how you untangled it later. So, um, if you're experiencing any of that, you're not alone. And that's the best I think we can offer. So, uh, yeah. So guys, if you have questions based on any of our previous episodes or what we have going on now, or what's next, or even just things that we haven't addressed yet that you're curious about, head to askptw.com and you can shoot us a text or send us a voice message. And we would love to feature you and talk about it on a future coffee chat. Thanks for listening. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We would love for you to be a part of the conversation. So connect with us, leave us a review, send us a text, find us on Instagram, all the ways. Um, We would love to hear what you have to say. So see you next Monday.